The Revision Speaker Series is a Guildhouse initiative bringing together creative minds from around the globe to discuss contemporary arts practice. Revision has been curated as a COVID response, enhancing connectivity, sustainability and well-being across the arts community. This podcast is an audio recording from a live Zoom session recorded on Ghana Country. So today I'll be talking to social media strategist Casey Latter, an experienced leader and expert at working with teams, clients and agencies to deliver KPI-breaking campaigns for internationally recognised organisations and events across a range of industries, including festivals, events and higher education. So she's currently the Manager of Marketing and Digital Communications at Illuminate Adelaide, which is a new annual winter event with light arts installations, immersive technology, music performance and discussion. Casey is also one of our inaugural tech mentors, so some of you are already involved in our tech mentor program. So I will pass over to Casey now. Thanks for that, Heidi. Um, And hello, everyone. It's so lovely to see so many faces here on a Tuesday night. Um, Before we jump into tonight, Heidi just did a very lovely introduction, but just as a little bit of... um, A hi from myself. So as Heidi said, I'm an arts marketer. Um, I specialize in digital and social media marketing. So my background is um, at Adelaide Fringe, Edinburgh Fringe, and also Adelaide Festival Centre. And I've worked across campaigns and with artists from, you know, really tiny local theatre troupes right up to your Disney's of the world. Um, I am currently at Illuminate Adelaide, um, but outside of my day job, I absolutely love and I'm really passionate about making digital, but also social media marketing accessible to small businesses um, and also artists, just because I think it is um, such a great level of it um, in the fact that it is so accessible and can actually make such a big impact um, on what you do. Um, But to jump into tonight, so there are three main topics that I'm going to try and plough through. So the first is um, what is the purpose of social media? So why, why be involved in organic social media? So unpaid social media. Um, The second is to take you guys through kind of the four key overarching steps that I would really recommend in terms of defining your social media strategy. So this is quite high level and it's something that you can engage in whether you've already got an established social media presence and you kind of just want to refresh what you're doing or whether you're starting from scratch. Um, And they're all steps that by kind of following that process, you're likely to increase your engagement and become um, a little bit more effective with what you're doing. Um, The third thing that I want to take you through is that I do want to make sure you guys have a lot of really actionable tips to take away from tonight. Um, A lot of really easy things that you can do to make an impact in quite a short period of time. So we're essentially going to go through and hack your content and I'm going to give you kind of a bunch of rapid fire tips that you can implement quite easily to make a bit of a difference. Um, And then we do have that dedicated time for Q&A at the end as well to cover off um, absolutely anything else that I um, don't go through. But so to start with that first topic, what is the purpose of social media? So what is the purpose of um, organic social media, which is unpaid social media? So any social media you're doing, that's not advertising. As a brand, which you all are in your own right as an artist, you are a personal brand. Why have that presence? Um, And the answer is connection and engagement. So social media, um, particularly organic social media, is all about building connections with an audience and engaging with them in some way. 
Something that organic social media isn't great for is direct selling, so direct sales. Um, while that's obviously applicable in like an e-commerce capacity, it's also applicable when it comes to thinking about art. Um, so it's not to say that you obviously can't sell yourself um, or sell your works, but it's about going about it in a slightly different way. And so the brands, whether um, in the arts industry or not, that do really well on social um, are the ones that understand this and that work on offering value to their audiences. And that value can be very different things. Some uh, brands entertain people on social media. Some brands teach people things. Um, some brands just offer really beautiful content. Um, but the brands that do really poorly are the brands, and I'm sure you guys can all think of these, are the ones that just post really boring pictures of their products with the messaging of buy this thing. So with that in mind, let's jump into defining your social media strategy. So there are four key steps when it comes to kind of that overarching approach. So um, the first is deciding where to dedicate your time. The second is defining your content strategy. The third is tracking and refining that content strategy. And then the fourth is amplifying with a little bit of paid promotion. Um, that last one can sound a little bit daunting and potentially expensive, but I promise that it's not. Um, and it can actually be a really, really simple, useful and potentially low cost tool um, to really amplify kind of your promotion of yourself um, and your work. So looking at that first tip, where to dedicate your time. So um, I absolutely recognize that for everyone on this call, social media is not your day job. You don't have all day to actually dedicate to this. So my recommendation would be to pick one social media channel um, and absolutely focus your attentions on growing that one and on creating content specifically for that. Um, the reason being is that um, if you were to try and spread yourself thin, you're very likely to not actually get um, that much um, growth or engagement um, as opposed to just focusing in um, on that one channel to really nail. Really thinking about um, a single channel for you guys to absolutely focus in on a nail. In terms of visual arts, there are four kind of main accounts that I would recommend um, with the two on the left, Instagram and TikTok being the primary two. And of those two, if you're kind of not really sure where to go, or where to focus your attention, my recommendation would be to focus on uh, Instagram. The reason being is that it is quite a multimodal platform. Um, it has kind of tacked on features of TikTok, of Facebook, of YouTube in the fact that you've got stories, you've got reels, you've got IGTV, but you've also got the feed to focus on. So this means that you can diversify and play around with different types of content, but you're also keeping your audience growth within that one platform so that you build a really big and strong audience. Um, Instagram's also great because it's obviously very highly visual, which is super important to everyone here. Um, and it's also quite discoverable. So because of the way that Instagram works with hashtags, it is easy to find content and it is easy to kind of get in the faces of the people that you want seeing what you're posting. Um, and it is also quite easy to um, find those people within a specific geographic location. So if you do just want to focus um, on local audiences, that is also quite easy to do. Um, I do want to suggest, though, if you are kind of maybe a little bit more adventurous or you want to do something different, TikTok is actually a really, really, really great opportunity for visual artists, particularly at the moment, because it is still an emerging platform and because of the way that the platform's built, it is actually quite easy to grow a really big audience in a short period of time if your content is good. 
obviously it's a very different platform in the way that it is all video content is all very short form content. So you'd need to have a think about how that fits for you and what you could do to leverage it. So I'd recommend hopping on and having a look at what other visual artists are doing in that space. Um, the other thing to consider is that audiences on there are obviously a lot younger. You do have a lot of younger millennials and Gen Z on the platform. So obviously thinking about whether that's appropriate for your work and your brand and what you're trying to achieve. Um, but there is actually great opportunity to be had there as well. But so once you've picked that single platform to really focus your attention on, the next thing that you need to do is to focus on defining your content strategy. So what is it that you are actually going to be posting? What is it that you're going to be talking to your audiences about. Um, that is going to be different for every single person on this call, but there are three things that will be the same um, and that absolutely have to be the same in order to be effective. So that's consistency, authenticity, and knowing your audience. Um, and the biggest one of these three, and the one that I often see people get wrong, is consistency. I find that most people are pretty good at being authentic, um, particularly artists when I work with them. Um, and you also have, I feel, quite a strong sense of your audience. But consistency is the one that I feel like a lot of brands and particularly a lot of small businesses get wrong. So the reason that this is so important is that um, all social media platforms are built on algorithms. They're kind of pesky, kind of annoying, and we don't have time to dive right into them tonight. Um, but the consistency of your content, so the quality of what you're posting, how often you're posting, and when you're posting is one of the factors that will help the algorithm determine how many people actually see what you're posting. And obviously without anyone seeing the content that you're posting, it's very hard for people to engage with it and it's very hard for you to get new followers. So one of the biggest mistakes that I do see a lot of small businesses make is that you might have a small period of free time where you can create a bunch of content really quickly and post like 27 things in three days. But then for the next three weeks, you might only post one thing. That is a really surefire way to essentially damage your account. So what you want to do when you are in that position of having time to create content is to create it and then plan it out. Um, it could just be literally a little calendar in your diary. It could be a Google sheet where you just go and map out where you're actually posting. Keep it consistent um, and be honest with yourself if you think that you can post once a week you're better off doing that consistently than 16 times one, one week and three times the next. Um, another thing that I also really like visual artists to think about when they're tackling their social media um, is how much of yourself do you actually want to put on display? So how much of um, yourself is your brand versus how much of your art is your brand? And the reason being is that this will kind of dictate if your social media accounts are more of a blog or a vlog for yourself um, and your art or whether your account is purely for the art itself. And the reason this is important is that it will dictate the vibe of your account and it'll also dictate the kind of followers and the kind of follower, uh, follower growth that you get. Um, neither option is the wrong option, but what you wanna do is pick kind of one method of content and stick to it. What you'll do if you decide on one option or the other and then kind of, I guess, flip between them your followers will start getting quite confused and you will actually kind of see follower growth drop and you may start losing people. So I want to give you guys two examples to go away and have a look at later um, in order to kind of illustrate what I'm explaining here. So these are two Instagram accounts um, of artists that I absolutely love. So these are Amanda Oleander and Katana Comics. 
So Amanda really embodies the idea of a social account that is much more of a mix of her art as well as a personal account. Um, her feed is very much her art, um, but if you have a look at her stories, she's quite organic. She's always jumping on there and she uses them as a personal uh, personal blog. Um, whereas Katana Comics, um, the account is very much focused on, on the art, um, despite the fact that the art is quite personable, um, it, is, it is the pure focus. Like I said, neither of these are wrong, but you want to pick one kind of one way of being and stick to it in order to grow um, and continue to grow your audiences. So we've now picked our account of focus. Um, we've got a content strategy in place. The next thing that you will need to do is to continue to track what's working and refine based on that. So as much as I've just told you to think about what content you want to consistently be posting, it's also important you think about um, and have a look at what's actually working and what your audiences are engaging with. So what I want to do is um, focus on what's actually an important metric for you guys to track and what's not so important, because I can assure you that if you go into Google and try to Google how to see what's working on social media, um, you will start getting quite overwhelmed quite quickly and you'll see a lot of conflicting advice as well. Um, my recommendation for you is that the things that you want to focus on that will tell you that you're doing well with your content um, are what we call engagement metrics. So your likes, your shares, your comments, and your video views. Those last three are actually even more important because again, those pesky algorithms weight them more highly, um, but they're all very important. The things that I want you guys to not worry about when you're initially starting to grow your social media accounts are reach and impressions. So these um, are both stats that essentially refer to how many people have seen something that you've posted. Um, reach refers to the amount of people. Impressions is the amount of times. The reason that you don't want to focus on those is that if you purely focus on how many times your content is being seen, you will actually reach a peak where your growth is going to plateau. Um, you won't have more people seeing your content and you won't have more people following you either. If you kind of flip that and focus on engagement over how many people are seeing your content, um, those views will naturally increase for you and you'll also find that your followers will naturally increase. Um, so that's kind of why I would say don't get bogged down in how many people are viewing your content. Also, don't get bogged down in how many people are actually even following your account. If you can make that engagement strong, everything else will naturally follow for you. And so the final, final kind of piece of, of that strategy and how I would approach um, social media if you're planning for it is to kind of once you've gone through that process of having an account, having a content strategy, um, and then knowing what works is to consider amplifying it through some paid promotion on social media. Um, again, this can sound kind of um, potentially expensive and kind of confusing and hard to do. Um, but the unfortunate reality is that social media, particularly for brands, which, as I said, you guys all are in your own way, is very much pay to play. Not to say you can't succeed without it, um, but is a really good way to kind of, I guess, beat your competition. Um, and if you do want to promote something specific, say an exhibition or an event you've got coming up, this is a really, really good way to do so. Um, budgets can be quite small for this. Even something like $50, say if you've got an event, um, can actually make quite a big difference um, in the amount of people that are going to engage with what you're talking about. The reason that I leave this step to last and why you don't want to do it first up 
is that if you kind of run into this blind and don't understand what your audience is already engaged with and what content that you're posting um, without any money behind it is already working, you're going to end up spending a lot more money than if you already know what works and you're just kind of topping it up with that little bit of extra cash just to give yourself a little bit of an extra foot in the door, step ahead on these platforms. Um, I obviously don't have time to teach you guys how to do this tonight, um, but what I can do is point you in the direction of some really great resources. Like most things, YouTube is a really good place to go, but I also want to point to LinkedIn Learning. Um, and the reason I'm doing this is because it is a technically a paid resource. So the kind of how-tos, and they're quite curated um, and very high quality. But if you do have an Adelaide City Library card, so any of the like libraries in the state, you can actually access it for free. Um, and that's a really, really great resource to learn how to boost a post or run a small ad campaign. Um, or also learn about organic social media in general. Um, so I would definitely recommend checking that out. So that's kind of my general approach to mapping out um, a social media strategy. So what I want to do now is kind of flip the switch and we're going to look at how to hack your content. So what I mean by this is essentially a lot of very small and actionable tips that you can implement on your current content. So whatever you might be posting, they're all quite small changes, but the more of these that you can do, they'll have a compound effect and they will all, all increase your engagement, um, increase your reach, increase your effectiveness, and hopefully increase your followers as well. So the first um, is to consider creating vertical content. So vertical content for Facebook and Instagram. This is obviously a given somewhere like TikTok. Um, Square is good but vertical is better. Um, and obviously your traditional landscape um, should be um, your least preferred option. So there are a couple of reasons why. So the main reason that you wanna be creating vertical content is that again, to come back to those pesky algorithms, they actually prefer it. So Facebook and Instagram prefer when people post vertical content um, to the point where if you're running a paid campaign, it actually costs you less money to place an ad that's vertical than it does to place on that landscape. Um, the second reason is thinking about your audiences. So it's much more enjoyable to consume content on a mobile device that is vertical or at the least square. Most users of social media are on mobile. So you wanna cater to that. Um, if you've you know, posted a video, if I have to flip my phone around in order to watch that landscape video at full size, that's an extra barrier for me to consider watching what you've just posted. The third reason is that, again, if you're looking at those examples on the screen of the different sizes on the mobile phones, the vertical takes up more space. And so if you're competing for audience's attention when you're posting content and then mindlessly scrolling through social media, that vertical size has almost three times the chance of being seen than the landscape size, just purely by the fact that you're going to be on their screen for a longer amount of time. So again, this is a fairly small tweak you can make when you're creating your content um, that will have kind of that compound um, impact the more and more that you can do this. Um, I will just say quickly though, as a caveat, so you can also create full screen images. So you will see that I've put a four by five ratio here. Um, you can definitely do that as well. But again, coming back to the fact that you guys probably don't have all day to spend on social, um, there are certain placements where that full screen vertical would actually get cut off. So I do recommend aiming for this four by five ratio, just so it means that your content is seen in full absolutely everywhere that it can.
So the next quick tip is to start videos with a bang. This is quite obvious, but it's one that I always find when I work with small businesses, they don't really consider until we talk about it. Um, most people on social media only actually watch 10 seconds of a video. If you're getting people watching your videos for longer than that, you're doing something absolutely incredible and I would love to hear what it is. Um, but essentially, you know, if you want to promote an exhibition in your video, um, if you've got some really amazing information that you want to convey, put it in the first 10 seconds or else it's very likely that people won't actually hear about it. Um, and by the same token, if you've got an amazing hook that's going to make people want to watch the, uh, watch the video, put it in the first 10 seconds or put it in the first three seconds so that you've given your audiences a chance to hear that hook and continue to watch on. The next one is good old captioning of videos. This is always a favorite one um, when I bring it up, but essentially 85% of people um, watch videos on social media with their sound off. So obviously exceptions are things like Instagram stories and reels. Um, TikTok obviously is another exception. But generally, if you're posting a video to Instagram or to Facebook without captions, you're automatically saying that you don't want 85% of your followers to watch it. Um, you're essentially saying that you don't want 85% of, say, Facebook users to watch it, which if you've gone to um, the trouble of putting that video together, um, you've spent the time on creating that video, that, that extra step of actually putting captions on it will give you, um, will essentially give you back that 85% of people. So I'm not going to point you to a single resource for doing this because it really does depend on what platform you're using to create your videos, whether you're on an iPhone or an Android, or if you're using um, a computer to edit, um, but a quick Google will give you um, a really good place to start. Um, if you're super stuck, um, just learn how to caption videos natively in Facebook um, can make a really big difference as well. Um, the next tip is evergreen content. So this is all about working smarter and not harder. Um, so again, I have no doubt that you guys are all absolutely pressed for time. So when you're going away and thinking about the sort of content that you're creating, I want you guys to think about content that you can create and post now, but content that you can post again in six months time and it'll still be on brand and relevant. Um, and this is something you can consider in your forward planning, but you can also consider in terms of creating a bit of a content library for you. Um, so something that I'd recommend that you guys all do after this is to go back um, across all of your posts for the last 12 months, find the top 10 performing posts. And if they're still on brand for you and they're still relevant, create an Excel spreadsheet um, and just pop them all in there. And then you've got 10 weeks worth of content. You can post one of those a week. It's a really quick way to up your engagement um, without spending a lot of extra time creating content. And by having that really high engagement content kind of peppered, peppered throughout your account, it'll mean that when you then post something else in that space of time, your audiences are gonna be more likely to see um, what you're posting. The final tip is kind of taking from the world of social media influencers, and that's to employ a bit of a posse um, or what's known as a social pod. Um, and this is to work to kind of warm up the algorithms in a sense. So before I talk you through um, how you're going to do this, I'm just going to explain a little bit about how engagement impacts the algorithm and impacts how people see your content. Um, obviously, this is just one factor that works within Facebook and Instagram's algorithms. But if you're talking about engagement, what happens when you post a piece of content? 
is that these platforms will show it to a really small number of people that already follow you. If those people don't do anything with it, if they don't like it, if they don't share it, um, the social platforms stop showing that content pretty quickly. If those people do engage with it though, it'll go, mm, okay, this might be a good piece of content. So we'll show it to a slightly larger group of people that already follow you. Again, if they don't engage with it, that's when you'll see that content drop out of news feeds. But if those people continue to engage with it, the platforms know that this is a piece of content that is keeping people on their platforms for longer periods of time, which is exactly what they want. So what it does is it starts showing that piece of content to more of your followers, and it also shows it to people that don't follow you. Um, so that's the point you always wanna get to because that's where your growth is going to be. That's where you're gonna find new people. So what you want to do to try and increase your engagement at that first step is to have a small kind of group of people that you can rely on to pretty consistently interact with your content and people that you can call on to interact kind of just as you posted it. So it could be a small group of friends. It could be um, some of your family. It could be a small group of other artists that you kind of um, have a bit of an understanding with. And when you post a piece of really important content, send it to them and be like, hey, you know, could you like this? Could you share this? Um, don't do it with every single post because you might get shadow banned that way, uh, but do it with just anything super important, say like one in five posts. Um, just the more engagement you can get at that kind of initial time of posting, the more likely you are to actually have that piece of content engaged with. And so that brings me to the end um, of those content tips. So I am now gonna turn it over to you guys. Um, Kind of with any questions on either anything we've spoken about tonight um, or if you guys have any additional questions um, about basically anything social related. Thanks so much Casey. I know that I have definitely gleaned quite a lot of tips. Do you see a, a question from Rita that we might jump to first and then we come back to those? Um, so Rita's just asked you have a view on whether it's better to focus on self or combo or just your art. And um, that's a really good question. Um, the answer is unfortunately there isn't a best answer for everyone. I think if you're the sort of person that's comfortable putting yourself out there in that kind of blog style, and um, that is a really good approach um, just in the way that um, again, social media comes down to connection and engagement, and it's much easier to do that if you are putting yourself out there as another human being. Um, but if you're not comfortable doing that, and that's not going to really be authentic to you, um, that's actually probably not a very good approach because it will potentially come off as, I don't want to say a little fake, but it might not be quite as genuine. Um, so yeah, the answer is if you can, I think putting yourself out there is great. But if you're not comfortable doing that, there's absolutely no, no problem with it just being about your art. Um, so Michelle Lee, uh, what are one of the top call to actions you suggest for more engagement? So that's a really good question and a really interesting one. So um, in terms of putting call to actions within the copy of your posts, um, there is actually something known as engagement baiting. Um, and it's actually something that Facebook and Instagram don't like. So if you're thinking about putting, um, say, uh, a post up with comment with your favourite X, Y, Z or comment with this or tell me more about this, um, it can actually hurt um, the performance of a post because um, all of those platforms can actually read what you're posting um, and they may penalise that. 
So in terms of a call to action, um, I really recommend trying to phrase it in a way that it doesn't come across as a direct call to action. So um, tell me about is a better way to say comment with, um, because again, the algorithms don't penalize it so hard. Um, otherwise, it really depends on your audiences. I would say to just test a couple and see what, what resonates with them. And um, so from Ellen, does it work to do art-focused content in your feed, but then do self-focus in your stories or as reels? Yeah, 100%. Um, so that example I gave of Amanda Oleander, that's very much her approach. Um, that's not to say you have to do that, but that's one of the really great things about Instagram is that you can have different types of content in those different spots. Um, stories work really well when they are really organic, um, whereas that grid, you might want to make that more curated. Um, and reads again, can kind of just be a little bit of whatever you want. Everyone's still kind of figuring out exactly what reels are for. So you can afford to have a little bit more fun there. Um, and obviously hopping on trends is a really good way to also be seen there. So if there is, say, a reels trend that you see that you feel like you could jump on in an authentic way, um, absolutely do. Jane has asked, you mentioned a good time to post. Is that a thing? Uh, yes, there is. Um, so again, this is going to, and I sound like a broken record, it will always come back to your audience um, and what your audience is more likely to engage with. Um, but in terms of like a general rule of thumb, uh, Saturdays are a really good day to post. Sundays are a really terrible day to post. Um, anything from about 6 p.m. to about 8 p.m. local time on a weeknight is a really good time to post, um, as is about, say, 12 p.m. to about 2 p.m. Um, on a weekday. Um, you'll find that most people at work are off checking their social media by that time. Um, and also on a weekday, the morning commute time, so from about 7 a.m. Um, to just after 9 is another really good time to post. Um, but again, I mean, try that as a general rule of thumb. Um, but then have a look at what's actually performing. If you're finding that you're posting on a Sunday and your audience is a super engaged then, um, by all means, disregard what every, uh, everything I've just said and post then. Awesome. And Sarah has just asked if you could talk to us a little bit more about hashtags. And I think someone else has asked, Alice has also asked for some advice on using hashtags. Cool. Um, so in terms of hashtags, um, first of all, you don't want to use too many. Um, if you use over about 15, um, you might start running into, um, uh, just talking about Instagram here, um, but you might run into um, being shadow banned. Um, and shadow banning happens if you're using hashtags that are irrelevant to you. So if you're just putting any old hashtag on there for the sake of putting it on there, it's not going to be effective. Um, in terms of kind of hashtag research, um, I think the best thing to do is to have a look at a couple of other accounts that you think your audience is probably aligned to, who you think your content might align to, and have a look at what hashtags they're using. Um, I do also recommend if you want to focus on local audiences, um, putting in those really basic like Adelaide, South Australia hashtags um, or wherever you guys are based, also quite useful because because it means that you will pop up when people are looking for those um, and you will also be um, shown in the recommended section for those as well. Can you explain what shadow banning 
means? Of course. Um, so shadow banning essentially means where, um, and this can happen on any social platform, um, but the official term comes from Instagram, um, essentially means that the social media platform doesn't quite ban your account, um, but it doesn't like what you're doing in a way that it'll just stop showing your content to people. Um, and it makes it quite hard for people to find your account. Um, it doesn't always last for a super long period of time, um, but the sorts of things that will get you there, um, it's very hard to do, so I wouldn't stress about it. Um, but using a ridiculous amount of hashtags is the number one thing I find that most people get shadow banned for. So Kelly has asked if there are any resources for more uh, information on Instagram algorithms. Um, again, a quick Google will show you um, a lot of different resources in terms of finding ones that are, I guess, reputable um, and really easy to digest. Um, I really love um, anything that comes from Buffer. So Buffer, a really, really great resource for kind of easy to consume social media information um, and Hootsuite as well. So if you're kind of typing into Google, buffer um, social media algorithm resources, you should be able to find um, a few really good things. Um, the other thing to know is that they change quite quickly. So um, they're obviously a good thing to learn about and to learn about in a really high level, um, but also don't get too bogged down in the absolute nitty gritty. Um, just always know that essentially engagement is always going to win, win the game. Um, and so from Valerie, what does a hashtag do? So it depends on the platform, but that's a really excellent question. So hashtags are essentially, think of them as like little search buttons or beacons. So by placing a hashtag on your content with a specific word, it tells the platform what your content is about. And depending on the platform, that may then do different things in different ways. So um, for instance, on Instagram, which is really where they're most effective, um, I'm just going to use the example of hashtag cake because I really like cake. If I put that hashtag um, on a photo of a piece of cake I just posted, um, if anyone's looking at the specific feed of hashtag cake photos, my photo will appear in there. Um, if uh, I have liked a whole lot of photos of cakes with that hashtag, um, Instagram will also start recommending photos to me with that hashtag. So again, if you if you want people to see your image that might be liking that content already, it means that it's more likely to be shown to them. Um, on different platforms, on TikTok, it works in quite a similar way. Facebook hashtags are not all that effective, so I wouldn't really worry about them. Um, and on Twitter, again, they kind of work um, in a similar way, but they also help people define trending topics. Um, but I probably wouldn't focus on that as a visual artist. Uh, so any tips for captions from Meg? Probably my initial tip would just be that if you need a really easy way to learn how to do hashtags um, and kind of uh, a way that you don't need to learn any new, new technology or platforms is to learn how to caption in either Facebook or YouTube. Um, both of them have native captioning um, capabilities. They can also auto-generate a lot of captions that you definitely have to go in and edit um, because they're not or accurate, um, but they're getting pretty good. They're probably about like 80% accurate. So that'll save you some time. And it'll also mean that you, you can just do that natively within the platform um, as opposed to having to learn something else. Um, you can also get a lot of really good apps 
that will actually caption your Instagram stories as you record them, um, which is quite cool as well. I haven't found a free one that's super great, um, but do a little bit of research um, and diving into that as well. If you're someone that uses stories a lot um, or uses kind of stories to record stuff and then post them elsewhere, that's another really good way to go. And uh, so a question from Ellen, should you aim for hashtags that have a lower use amount? What's a good rough number to aim for? Um, in terms of the number of, um, I guess, posts on a hashtag, you want to probably aim for a good mix. And the reason is that if you're using a hashtag that is used by a small amount of people, um, that's obviously great because it means your content is more likely to be shown to that small group of people but you're also going to um, have kind of that wider engagement um, with, I guess, larger communities. So in terms of a rough number, I would probably say to aim for five that are quite, I guess, bespoke. So that could be a location-based hashtag, um, a very specific hashtag to, you know, whatever you're creating, and then maybe five more general ones um, to round that out to about 10. So, I mean, in terms of captioning um, the images that you post to your feed, again, that's going to be very dependent on your content and your audiences. Um, a couple very general rules to go by, particularly for something like Instagram, um, is that fewer words is generally better. So people are more likely to engage with content that has a shorter caption. Um, that's not to say people aren't reading longer captions, but what you'll find is that people spend so much time reading it that they won't actually engage with the content. So that can definitely be good, and I'm not saying not to, um, but do do test both of those um, and see what works for you. Um, but other than that, the actual content of your captions, I think really comes down to you understanding um, who you are as an artist um, and who your audiences are. And it might take you a little while to kind of craft that tone of voice and really refine it. Um, so jumping to Rita, who sees stories and how? So um, in terms of Instagram stories, your followers will see them. Um, Instagram stories don't really provide like recommended stories in the same way that you do in a feed. Stories are both time-based and based on how often you happen to engage with a person. So I'll see my closest friend's stories first if I always watch them. Um, stories are really good though. Um, I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but the last time I did one of these presentations, it was like 70% of Instagram users will go in, go into the app and watch stories, but not actually view any of the content in the feed. Um, so definitely do think about using stories because you're more likely, probably more likely to be seen there than you actually are in the feed. Uh, so to answer Michelle's question, what amount is considered a smaller following for hashtags under 10K? Um, I think anything under 5K, I would personally consider like a small hashtag. You can get like very, very bespoke hashtags that might have like 100 posts. Um, but I think anything under about five is probably relevant in terms of a small, small number. Uh, so what's your view on Instagram and Facebook shops for selling online? Um, they're super useful. They're really, really useful if you can do them well. Um, I will say that for visual artists, it's probably a little bit different in terms of the fact that you may not be running an e-commerce store, or you might be. I'm also not sure um, what each of you guys in individually are doing. Um, but again, they can be quite useful. Um, Instagram has actually just updated their online shop functionality and actually made it a little bit harder for people to use. Um, and there's been a lot of 
kind of negative discussion around that. So if you're thinking of getting into that space, I'd maybe hold off a month or two um, because I think everyone's hoping Instagram will roll back to the old version of um, Instagram shopping. Um, but it's definitely useful and definitely something to learn more about if you're interested in. Uh, so from Valerie, what platform do I use mainly? Um, I mean, in terms of brand accounts that I've worked for, um, I've always focused on Instagram and Facebook only because that does cover a really good cross-section of kind of demographics. Um, and particularly for somewhere like Adelaide, that's where you're going to find most, most people. Um, in terms of me personally, I'm a massive TikTok fan. So that's where you will find me um, kind of in bed at the end of the night, just watching Ratatouille the Musical, which if any of you guys are on TikTok, would recommend. Uh, so from Ellen, should you go back and cull old posts from your feed to make it more curated or just be more consistent with future content? I've had my Instagram for a few years, so very early posts don't necessarily match. That's a really excellent question. Um, there's no one way to answer that. Um, I absolutely don't think there's any issue with having older content that's not consistent. If you look at, say, like, really big Instagram influencers. If you scroll back long enough, you'll find their really early stuff on there. Um, but at the same time, it won't actually hurt your engagement to hide them. Um, so if you do decide that you want to hide them to make your feed more consistent, um, that's not going to impact you negatively um, in any way. Uh, so from Bianca, writing about myself, getting past the fear of posting, growing an audience. So getting past the fear of posting I think is a really big one um, and learning to write about yourself um, the only thing I can say there is probably to start small maybe start writing about yourself as opposed to jumping on and like blogging in stories um, is a really good way to start um, in the end all I can say is that the more you do it the more comfortable you'll get with it um, as well uh, what are my views on using Linktree uh, via the bio and Instagram? Linktree is a really, really good source. Um, it's a really good way to add additional links um, to Instagram bios. So, yeah, absolutely no problems with using that. Um, and I've definitely used it um, for brand accounts before. So it's a really good option. Awesome. I think it looks to me like, We've covered, there's been lots of questions for this session, which has been fantastic. Um, uh, great, we've got one last little question. Two good questions. I'll answer Valerie's first. Uh, what is Linktree? So if any of you guys don't know what Michelle is referring to, um, Linktree is um, it's actually a website that you can use um, and go to and you can generate, um, I guess, a link in your Instagram bio that has, several links in it so that you're not restricted to just putting that single link in your bio. Um, so you've probably seen and used these before. There's a couple of different versions of them. Um, so Linktree is just one of them. And so just to answer these last two, so Ellen, have you got any advice on image descriptions? I can't teach you how to write an image description over video chat, but I do think they're extremely important. Um, so do definitely spend some time learning how to use those so for anyone that's not familiar, um, an image description um, is what is displayed if someone is using um, a screen reader or another sort of accessibility device to access social media. On Instagram, you can put them natively in the photo or a lot of people put them in the comments. And on other platforms, you put them in as you post the photo. 
So my advice is just to really learn how to do it um, if you do have the time and the capability to. So watermarks on photos. If this is in relation to your own artwork um, and wanting to kind of make sure you've got a watermark on them so no one else can use them, I recommend trying to put it somewhere small, like in a corner or something like that. I know that's not as effective, um, but having a watermark over your image when you post it is also not going to get great engagement. Um, if this is in terms of using like stock imagery online with watermarks, definitely recommend staying away from it. So... This is a question about whether you want to promote a post if Instagram's recommending that you do. Um, I absolutely don't think you should be doing this. If you do want to put some money into advertising posts um, or putting money behind and boosting posts on Facebook or Instagram, um, do a little bit of learning rather than just clicking that button that Facebook or Instagram will tell you to do. Um, because it's very likely that they're probably not recommending your best content um, or at the best time and you might be spending money where you don't need to be. Um, so spend some time to get informed so you can make those informed decisions. Um, and from Sid, should we use a personal account or switch to a business account? Um, if we're talking about Instagram, um, switching to a business account is great because you'll get a lot of um, different analytics um, and stats about your audiences that can be extremely useful to you. Um, so I definitely would recommend it. So I see we might wrap up. There's lots of stuff to digest there. I'm yeah, super grateful for all those tips and tricks and you've made, you know, the way that you've laid it out has been really clear, Casey, which is fantastic because I know it's a bit of a minefield to get into. Um, we're really grateful to have that very clear advice and very specific and easy to implement tips. And thanks again, Casey. It's been really fantastic to have you on board for this and also in our tech mentor program. Most welcome. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Revision podcast series recorded on Ghana Country. This series is brought to you by Guildhouse, our supporting partners and session speakers. Please head to our website guildhouse.org.au for more information on the series and our artistic collaborations with and professional development opportunities for Australian artists. Revision was developed with support from Australia Council for the Arts, the Day Family Foundation and Creative Partnerships Australia and has continued through the generous philanthropic support of the Guildhouse Creative Visionaries.